The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. Oh, I'm sorry. We're on. <laughs> We're live. <laughs> we live. <laughs> so welcome to No Credentials Required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Uh, presented by Belly Up Sports in association with Godzilla Media. Actually, Dustin, I want to phrase a question to uh, to our to our new friend, uh, Bishop Bullwinkle. Bishop Bullwinkle, do you need a press pass to talk sports? <laughs> I, oh man! I, I, I totally stole Snowman's bit. <laughs> that one. Well, that that is a classic. I um, I first heard about that on your mom's house podcast a few years ago. Shout out to Tom <laughs> and Christina. I know you're both watching. You're what? I know uh, you're, we're big. You're, we know you're big fans of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We keep <laughs> and also Bert Kreischer. Hope you're yes, enjoying your we keep our jeans high and tight. We keep our jeans high and tight on this podcast. but that's where i first discovered the magic of bishop bullwinkle and let me tell you if he gets into the full song the tenor changes a little bit but that the part that you played is the chorus he he that's a recurring motif throughout the song (laughs) and snowman says be you Before we go into tonight's episode and we talk about everything that went on this week in the NFL, let's talk about our social media channels. You can find right down here if you're watching on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's at NoCredsREQ, Facebook.com forward slash NoCredsREQ. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's YouTube.com forward slash at NoCredsREQ. If you're watching on either Facebook or YouTube, smash it. Smash that like button. I'll have to make a roll. I'll have to make an overlay for that. But yeah. smash that like button. We smash appreciate the it. like button. Ring the bell as well, so you know when we mm-hmm. go live. Indeed. And also, if you're listening on the audio side, subscribe to the podcast. Megaphone is our home base. But you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you podcast. And if you leave a rating, five stars is the preferred number of stars to leave. For the podcast and also if you're so kind to review leave a review we'll even read it on the air and dustin i know you've been waiting all weekend to hear this sound gotta play that beautiful bean footage (laughs) that's right folks whether you're watching on facebook youtube or twitter which is our main three net our main three channels to where we stream engage with the engage with the show Leave your comments. We want your comments. We've already got some folks watching right now. We got Snowman saying he's the first in. Thank you for joining us, Snowman. Also got Kevin Wilson from our fancy from Billy Up Fantasy Sports. This is right behind the Snowman and a fellow uh, Seahawks fan in uh, in uh, in Seahawks Brotherhood. Uh, yes. with uh, uh, for uh, <laughs> uh, for for Dustin. So. Without further ado, let's get things started and talk about this weekend's games. Start with Saturday afternoon's matinee game. Jaguars at, oh, I couldn't say matinee, I could say late afternoon game. Jaguars at Chiefs. This was 
a very surprising game mm-hmm. and in many ways because you had Patrick Mahomes go down with an injury. Yes. You had you had a little bit of everything. You know, not everything this game, but you had you you had uh, some good, some interesting things going on. So, Dustin, what was your feeling about this game, and uh, what were your observations? Well, first off, first off, I'd like to say that uh, this was surprising because this ended up. I mean, we didn't know it. We didn't know it, but in my opinion, this ended up being the most entertaining game on the slate. You're um, telling me. <laughs> I, and yeah, yeah. And I I just have to say, first and foremost, um, I know we've been very complimentary um to the Jaguars <laughs> on this show. <laughs> hey, shout out Schmitty. Uh, thanks for watching. I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> but um Thanks for, so, thanks for engaging with us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Jags, we've been highly complimentary to them on the show, and with good reason. They hung with the Chiefs, and it was not just because of the Mahomes injury. Um, the Jags showed that they were not afraid to play with the Chiefs, and in my opinion, they, sh- they exposed the one Achilles heel that I think the Chiefs have, their defense, as the Chiefs' defense, as you astutely predicted, uh, Ry Stradamus, was very opportunistic at just the right times. They they got sacks when they needed them. They got the, they got the INT at the end of the game. Hold on, I have a sound effect for this. Perfect. My clairvoyance knows no bounds. It's true. It's true. I'm start. I'm a little concerned. But anyway. Oh, geez. I forgot. These are all loops. My thunderous thunderous vocals here. Anyway, I will say the one weakness that I think was exposed in this game was the Chiefs special teams. The Chiefs special teams is not looking good, and it's to be expected because when you have as much chat, uh, talent on both sides of the ball as the Chiefs do, you got you to gotta have a deficit somewhere. And to me, special teams is where the Chiefs are lacking. Jamal Agnew shredded them multiple times on special yep. teams with chunk returns, despite the fact he had a fumble later in the game. Um, but from the Chiefs' side of things – the Jags, the Jags hung with them all game. They didn't, they didn't get blown out. They, they, the Jags defense managed to somewhat shut them down in the second half. Now, how much of that was due to the health of Patrick Mahomes? We don't know. But I will say, Chad Henney, he saved that game for the Chiefs, and he you know, really impressed me. You know what's interesting? I mentioned yesterday I was on Snowman on, on the Coffee with Coffee with McCarthy segment on Snowman in the morning, eight thirty-five on Monday morning. Catch it. Uh, you can go ahead and catch that. Uh, <laughs> but I mentioned I said if it wasn't for Chad Henney, you would not see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in twenty twenty, and you might not see the the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and going advancing into the next round mm-hmm. after this week. And he should be he should be held in Chiefs in in, in in this era, in this Mahomes Reed era, you can't leave out Chad Henney, which who was at one point laughed at as a starting quarterback in the NFL. But then he goes to Kansas City, finds himself as a backup to Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest one of the best quarterbacks in this particular era. And he shaped and he saved the Chiefs season not once 
but Damn. twice in the span of three seasons. So you got to give a ton of credit to Chad Henney. And again, you can't laugh at his career because of the fact that he saved the Chiefs bacon multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. I mean, Mahomes goes down and Chad Henney is what, 38 years old right now, which which in normal age terms, Chad Henney is younger than me. But in quarterback mm-hmm. terms, aside from Tom Brady, uh, who's got that 80 for Brady uh, movie coming out. I know we're all uh, rushing to the theater to see that. I won't be. Yeah, I'm going to be first in line <laughs> for my ticket. Yeah. But anyway, aside from Tom Brady, 38 in quarterback years is ancient. He comes off He comes off the bench and leads the Chiefs on a, I believe it was 90, something like a 92-yard drive in playoff, in a playoff game with high stakes. And I mean – he he gets the job done. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I'm you know, I, I gotta be honest with you, Dustin. I barely watched a look of football this weekend and I had no FOMO. But I caught up on I caught up on the highlights. I caught up on the mm-hmm. highlights of just mm-hmm. about every game except for Giants and Eagles, which we'll get to in a moment. Oh, uh, I, I I DVR'd that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, by the way, I'm I'm accountable uh to every Eagles fan. Um I have to give you. I have to give you something. Here's your. Uh, here's your receipt for not picking them. <laughs> Dumb, dumbassery on my part. But um, but no. I mean, it, I I caught up on the highlights and yeah, like you said, Dustin, the the Jaguars went into Arrowhead. There wasn't a lot of expectation. You you thought maybe after that after they went up ten in the second quarter that this was this game was going to be. This game might get away from them, but they didn't. They get this. They get the field goal right before the half. They got within three uh, with the, with that touchdown, and they had. Yeah, I got. I got. As I say, so so I went to a hockey game on on Friday on Saturday afternoon, and my brother and I were listening on the way home. We're listening to the serious serious satellite, and he had both feeds, both the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs radio feed, and the contrast was striking. Because after the Chiefs kicked that, after Butker kicked that field goal, that long field goal, uh, to put them up 10, the first play from scrimmage for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence gets sacked. And you just hear the voice, you just hear the voice, you just, I, I can just, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, kind of mimic this uh, a little bit. You <laughs> kind of right. see the, 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 the play-by-play now, so you just kind of look at the field goal. And Lawrence goes back to pass, and Lawrence goes, Lawrence gets hit, Lawrence gets sacked. That was his, that was his, like, he sounded so depressed. (laughs) Meanwhile, you switch over to the Chiefs, and they're like, like, this is the the fourth quarter, it's time to, and all three announcers go, put the hammer down. Like, they're excited, they're enthusiastic, (laughs) every one of them. And the Jaguars, actually, the Jaguars announcer on that drive, I gotta give full credit. I gotta give full credit to uh, the uh, the, the announcers of the, uh, the radio network for the Jaguars. When the Jaguars scored, like, the, 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 the play guy lightened up. Like he lit back up. He's like, touchdown Jaguars. Yeah. Oh man, we have, uh, we have uh, had quite the mood swing in this drive. Interesting. So it, it, but yeah, no, I mean, you got to give full credit to Doug Peterson. He knows, he knows he's from that coaching tree, Andy Reid coaching tree. Yeah. And he, he knows his coach well, but at the same time, Andy Reid right now is, uh, Andy Reid's the master. Yeah, he's the he's the master. He knows how to 
and Patrick Mahomes, give full credit to him for gutting it out in the second half. I know, as for someone who as a as someone who has had trouble with his ankles for primarily the the most of his life, uh, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to come back from it to play through a high ankle sprain. So, yeah, uh, yeah full. Yeah, now they're going to the championship game, and they got a rematch with the Cincinnati Bengals. For yeah, yeah, and and let me just say, yeah, we all know this, we all know this, but Travis Kelsey is a is a cheat code when yeah. you, when the Chiefs get near the end zone. I mean, he just they just always manage Mahomes, and he always managed to find each other, and then he in turn gets into the end zone. It seems like he's been doing it forever. Um, Freak ash athlete, um, and I got it. It's it's not quite Patriots level with the Chiefs. I mean, I, I just got to the point where I was sick of seeing the Patriots in the postseason at all. I'm not there with the Chiefs. I, you know, they they are they are just good, and 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 uh, I'm sure that we'll see old Travis Kelsey do the double J strut at least one more time in the playoffs. <laughs> no, unless you think this is a Kansas, Kansas City. Chiefs sweatshirt. This is not. This is an Under Armour sweatshirt. <laughs> I got fifty percent off at Kohl's. It was a big sale going on. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So we're going on to the next game. That would be Giants at Eagles, and big swing and a miss on my part. I thought the Giants would. I had the audacity to pick the Giants. That was a bad idea. Good thing I don't bet. But this was the game. This game, I caught up on the highlights and halfway through when it went, when the Eagles went up 28, nothing at halftime. I just, I was like, all right, I guess I know what happens from here. So I, I clicked the back button on my browser. I'm like, all right, let's see what else is, uh, (laughs) see the other highlights from the other games. I, um, I, like I said, I was over, I was over, um, hanging out with some family on Saturday and, uh, so I DVR'd the games. I'm like, I got, I got to do my podcast, podcast prep. I need, I need, I need my my beautiful mind notebook here. I, I need it. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I DVR'd this game, and same deal, Ryan. Once the game got underway and it was clear that it was going to be out of hand, I started fast forwarding some chunks, <laughs> but. I still watch the majority of this game. First of all, the chain broke early in the in the first quarter. I don't think I've ever seen that in a game before. <laughs> and it, it was just an omen for the Giants season. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. The Eagles, the Eagles put we thought that the Giants deep, and it's not just you. I picked the Eagles to win, but I thought it was going to be 33-30. I thought both teams were going to be, you know, chucking it all over the yard, doing everything. Mm-hmm. I thought Saquon was really going to go off. He did have a nice 40, 40 yard run at one point in the third quarter. Um, the Giants rushed the ball decently, decently. It's just the problem was that the Giants defense. Uh, Philly was dominating them and they were running the ball right down the Giants throat. It didn't matter whether it was Boston Scott, whether it was Jalen Hurts, whether it was Kenneth Gainwell or Miles Sanders, all of them ran well. Kenneth Gainwell didn't start running the ball for the most part until the third quarter. Guess how many yards Kenneth Gainwell finished with rushing? 112. That is correct. And he did most of that. Right now. <laughs> yeah. He did most of that. 
in the third and fourth quarter, he was gashing the Giants. And and if my memory serves, Devontae Smith had some big catches in this game, but their big acquisition, A.J. Brown, he was almost invisible on the field, not because he didn't play a good game or anything, but it just shows how many different ways the Eagles can hurt you. If they can run the ball like this against the Niners, which admittedly is going to be a much tougher task, uh, watch out because the Eagles are going to fly <laughs> during that game if that's the case. Yeah. That, yeah. that was – I mean – and I hate to admit, I hate to say it, uh, Dable, you and I have, have have both been saying that he's probably our front runner for coach of the year. He did an amazing job with the Giants. I think the Giants have a bright, bright future, um, but it was it was not their time. It was not their time. Not yeah, their my, my my bald my balded bearded bald and bearded brother Brian Dable. You know, <laughs> excellent job, excellent job, but uh, unfortunately. Ran to a literal buzzsaw in the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and here's the thing: what I, I, I was like, the stat I heard, I think it was during the, the 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 highlights that I heard. Boston Scott has 11 touchdowns in only eight games against the Giants. He's yes. a literal giant killer. He has, I believe that I heard a stat. Now, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm doing this from Dome. I don't have this in my beautiful mind notebook. He has nineteen. <laughs> he has nineteen touchdowns within. I forget the period. I forget the period that it was over. I think it's over a couple of seasons. Eleven of them, eleven of his of his touchdowns during this period are are against the New York Giants. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I ironically, the name you know Boston hurting a New York team once again. <laughs> yep, as ever, as ever. And the one thing I, I totally forgot about the about this game was the Eagles' defense is um, le- le- leaps and bounds better than the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because they got they made Daniel Jones look like Daniel Jones from the last three years we've seen him. They did, did not look at the, look at Daniel Jones we saw it last week mm-hmm. when he picked apart the Vikings. They made him look like Daniel Jones before Brian Dable came along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was... poor Saquon Barkley. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Giants do in the off season because they got to keep they 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 have to keep both these guys. They're going to have to franchise tag one and hand the bag to the other. Like they're going to have to they're going to have to extend Daniel Jones. They're going to have to extend Saquon Barkley. I think I think what will happen is that. I'm, I'm going prognosticator again, Dustin. All right. All, All right. right. Just just let you know, and I'll play that effect again. <laughs> it will end Daniel Jones, and they'll franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Because there's going to be a number of teams going after, going after Saquon Barkley in the offseason. And one of them we're going to talk about in just a moment. Before we do that, we got to... We got to share a message from our friends at Invader Coffee. This episode of No Credentials Required is brought to you by Invader Coffee. For the coffee lover who wants good quality coffee with no bullshit and no filler, Invader Coffee is an ultra premium veteran owned coffee company proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard earned money can buy. They aim to only serve the highest quality organic air roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple. The best coffee at an affordable price in order to provide you with the value you deserve 
for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air roasted, 100% money back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com, enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout, and receive 15% off your order. You're that right, folks. Link in the description, whether you're listening on the podcast or you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Funny story. During our live broadcast on Friday, I ordered their Valentine's Day blend chocolate lust. It came it came in the mail on Monday. Oh, that's some service. That's efficient, my friends. That's like it's like it's like the 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 infantry coming down and like literally putting the bag on your front step. Yeah, <laughs> it came that fast. And I and I do like I I gotta I gotta give a shout out to whoever handles packing up their orders and everything. Uh, usually get a nice little handwritten note or something, yep. you know. Yep, it's, it's a nice touch. It is a nice touch. You got that personal service at Invader Coffee. So yeah, if, if you want to help the show. Order some coffee the link to, and at the link in the description. Use code BELLYUP at checkout for 15% off your order. You won't, be dis- you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. Both Dustin and I are, are big and bitter coffee fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So next game we're going to talk about is the Bengals at the Bills. Dustin, this game. Um, wow. Wow, indeed. Indeed. And I don't know if you heard the news today about uh, some – I don't know if it was a radio station or fans of the Buffalo Bills saying that the uh, that the Bengals had an unfair advantage because of their white uniforms. Oh, jeez! No, I did not. I did not hear. <laughs> you are grasping at straws at that point. You're not even grasping at straws. You're grasping at the straw wrapper for that one. Listen, <laughs> as a New York Jets fan, tried and true, thick and thin. At least we don't make up those kind of excuses when we see our team lose. No, that that's. Oh, I mean, the Bills. And look, look, both both you and I picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC at the beginning of the year. That we both we did. did it, and mm-hmm. the Bills, to their credit, for most of the year, the Bills look like the class of the NFL. But man, on this day. They did not look like themselves. I mean, this Bills defense, the Bengals O-line, which we had many, many, many jokes at uh, the expense of them early in the season because they were letting everybody hit Joe Burrow. Well, come on in. <laughs> this game, yeah, they were a turnstile. They were a turnstile. This game, first of all, we've, we've talked about how the O-line, their, their play solidified late in the season. And it's one of the reasons why the Bengals got hot at exactly the right time and went on a great run. Um, But, man, the Bills, I was watching this game. Now, full disclosure, I was working while watching this game, so I had my trusty iPad set up right next to me. I'm watching it. Um, the the, the, The Bengals were pushing the Bills' pass rush off the line. As a result, there were huge running lanes, the, uh, the Bills just uh, – the, the Bengals ran the ball all over the Bills in addition to everything they were doing. Now, the Bengals came out fast. They threw on six of their first eight plays. They went right down the field, and they and they scored. And it was at that point that I believe it was Jim Nance, because I think he and Romo were calling the game. Mm-hmm. Jim Nance said that the Bengals 
outscored their opponents 32 to nothing in the first quarter over their last five games. That's the Bengals like to get out to a fast start. And I will say when it looked like, when it looked like the Bengals were just going to track meet all over the field. And I, and side note, I love Tony Romo saying that uh, the bill, the bills, the, it was going to be tough for Bills players to gain their footing due to the field. And he's like, oh, the, the defenses, it's going to be tough for both of them. The Bengals looked all right that entire game. They, they seem to have no problem. Uh, but I will say the Bills did have a nice responsive drive. They kind of slowed the game down. When the Bengals came out, they had a nice long drive, which ended up in Josh Allen running barely into the end zone. But from there, that was the last thing Buffalo could muster. The Bengals just, they ran the ball. They they did everything they needed to do in the snow to go up to Buffalo and get the victory. Buffalo just looked out of sync for whatever reason. It's the only way I could describe it. I have written in my, I have written in my notes, it says, uh, Buffalo does not look like themselves. No first downs till, uh, till 211 left in the first quarter. You know, that. They just looked out of sorts, and we all know Stefan Diggs seemed to be jawing at Josh Allen as, as the game was getting close to the end in the fourth quarter. Hey, he's a competitive guy. It's playoff football. It's highly emotional. I don't think there's anything to be made of made of it, but yeah. heartbreaking loss for the Bills. But the Bengals looked poised, poised to take on anybody right now. I, I'm looking forward to this Bengals-Chiefs game, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I remember saying somebody saying on social media that uh, at, when Diggs was having that, I wouldn't say meltdown, but just a just a guy trying to fire up his team and says, "Oh, oh, this is the same scene we saw Diggs do," and uh, when he was ready to get out of Minnesota, and it's like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, he's happy in Buffalo. So yes, one thing we we got, I got, I'm looking at the stat line. I give full credit to both the defense of the of the Bengals and the offensive line of the Bengals. Oh yeah, because because <clears throat> guess who was the leading rusher again for Buffalo? Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. You would be correct. Twenty twenty six yards on eight carries. Cincinnati as a team as a team had 172 yards. Joe Burrow had 31 rushing yards. He had the longest run of the day. He had a 21-yard run. <laughs> yeah. And he, was just, uh, and he was sacked only once. Yes. I, I mean, it was unbelievable. This vaunted Bills pass rush, which, which you know, obviously everybody's got injur- in, injuries, everything. You had – you had mentioned the the vulnerabilities in the Bills' secondary, and it was another game where that showed up to rear its ugly head. But it, the Bengals didn't need that. Once they got out to that fast lead, and they went right up and down the field on that on that first drive, they just ran it. And I'm telling you, Ryan, if it was visible to my uneducated eye, I said this offensive line is destroying them off the ball. The Bills are mm-hmm. getting nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not usually one that focuses on offensive line play, but it was so it was so glaring that it jumped off the screen to me. I'm like that the Bills are unable to get pressure right now of any kind. It was unbelievable. Great performance. 
Now, uh, um, I'll also have to give myself some credit here. Um, who said that the Cincinnati defense played well as a unit and would get uh, would also get uh, uh, turnovers at opportune time? I hear thunder rumbling. <laughs> yes. I, you know it's funny. I downloaded that before the show. <laughs> for those of you, <laughs> for those of you who are wondering, yes, we are going to run this bit into the ground. Go on the journey with us, won't you? <laughs> I, I, I can, I can, I can hear some people saying this right now. <laughs> I don't know if I got a copyright claim for that, but I don't care. Yeah, we might get a strike. <laughs> we're, not, no, we're not getting a strike. We're just getting a claim. That's all. <laughs> I, I, YouTube, the wait anyway. Anywho, moving on. Cowboys at 49ers, the last game of the weekend. And like you said, <sighs> Dustin, this the Jaguars and Chiefs was the most entertaining game of the weekend. But if you like defense, if you love defense, you would have loved this game. Because both teams were smacking each other around, smacking each other in the mouth all game long. And it was, you know, as someone who loves defensive football some at times, this was an exhibition. And yeah. Dustin, I want to hear your thoughts about this game. What struck out to you in this game? What observation did you have that kind of you just kind of circled in your uh, in your notebook? Well, I have to say the big the big thing that really jumped off to me was now I, I do feel for Cowboys fans. Um, I do feel for Cowboys fans, but I initially, I initially going into this game, I said, Dak's going to have to play the best game of his life, which he clearly did not. But I thought I said, Dallas's defense is good, but they're not on the level of the Niners. Well, for this game, they were pretty darn well evenly matched. That's what mm. jumped off the page is that I think now I knew that Dallas's defense had performed well all seasons, all season. Everybody knows about Micah Parsons. Everybody likes to talk about how, how well he plays the game, how he can take over elements of a game. It's that's all true, but Dallas's defense hung with the 49ers for the majority of this game. They played their hearts out. You got to give it to them. You got to, you got to take your hats off to them. They were incredible. Yeah. The the gap, I thought the gap was much larger between San Francisco's defense and maybe Philly's defense is like here and then there was every, and then there was the Cowboys and then everybody else in the in the NFC. And coming out of that game, I said maybe it's more like this. You know, mm-hmm. that's how that's how well Dallas's defense played and We've seen other defenses, namely my Seahawks, now vastly inferior unit to Dallas on defense. But Brock Purdy, every, everybody, people might say, well, Brock Purdy's a rookie quarterback. It might have been a different game if Jimmy Garoppolo was in there. Dallas might have struggled to stop him a little bit more. No, I don't mm-hmm. think so. Brock Purdy has has proven that he knows what he's doing when he's out there. He doesn't get rattled. Um, and Dallas really – came to play and the the tragedy and I hate I hate to say it I I hate to say it but Dak did what we thought he might do uh 
you you said that if Mike McCarthy had to rely on Dak Prescott to win, they were going to be in trouble. And I said Dak Prescott played his best game of the season unquestionably against Tampa Bay. He silenced a lot of the haters, but I said Tampa Bay's defense is not San Francisco's defense. He's going to have to play even better next week, and he was he just wasn't up to the task. I mean, on the one interception he he threw, I don't think he saw the defender there at all because the defender jumped right in front of Michael Gallup. Or if he didn't see him, the defender just jumped the route really well because uh, that interception was a bad interception. I will tell you that. So, Dustin, which handsome podcast host said on Friday that if he took away the Dallas's run game, you're going to have to rely on Dak Prescott and he's going to mess up? <laughs> we got to get you like a like a hat or something <laughs> some sort of i'll ship a crystal ball to your house we'll do we'll do something in the words of chris jericho i'm a freaking wizard <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which so i'm gonna give a list of what has gone on and what has been released since the cowboys were last in a conference championship game in 1996 so the first two, I got to give credit to my buddy, to my buddy Cole Johnson from Snowman in the Morning with uh, Cole Johnson. Biggie and Tupac were, Biggie Smalls and Tupac were still alive. Yeah. Justin Bieber had not been born yet. Yeah. And, I'm, and I got more. Uh, the hybrid car has been introduced. Uh, the iPhone was invented. Uh, Chris Jericho, we just mentioned about him before, released his, his list of 1,004 holds. Bar bar. <laughs> movies had not been, were still on VHS the last time the Dallas Cowboys were in a wow. conference championship game D- Blu-ray, DVD, and digital were not even a forethought and uh, YouTube has been, since the Dallas Cowboys were last in the conference championship game YouTube was introduced and you can also, also you can actually check out the glory days of the Cowboys anytime on YouTube they're just not right now yeah, <laughs> yeah Oh man, Kevin Kevin Wilson with the with the big comment. I retired from the Navy for the, for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Man, that I it's amazing when you think about it in those terms because because it's not like Dallas has had, I mean they had they had some bad years. They just had some plain bad years i mean the dave campo mm-hmm. years i don't i don't think cowboys fans remember that with any with any uh um nostalgia or anything and i will say the play is still talked about in seahawks history when romo when romo bobbled the snap and i think i think was that 06 i think it was he bobbled the snap and mark yeah, on manual I think Mark. Bill Par- one Bill Parcells was still yes. Was the head coach. Bill Parcells was coaching them 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 at that time, and uh, old Marquand Manuel he's a he's a Seahawks legend for that. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's, uh, they've had some good regular seasons. They've their hope springs eternal for every football fan at the at the start of uh, at the start of each year. But I feel like Cowboys fans. Um, there are fan bases who have suffered longer, but Cowboys fans, they get more fired up than anybody if their team starts like 6-0, and and then it just always, something always happens. 
it's it's uh it's unbelievable and and for the people that are calling for mike mccarthy's job after this this loss was not his fault it was not his fault there was nothing that i could see that he did while coaching this team that was like that you could point to to be like oh well that's the reason they didn't at at some point i think it, i think it was I think it was either Keyshawn or or Max Kellerman from ESPN. One of them said, at some point, the players have to make the play. He said, Mike McCarthy did not throw those interceptions. You know, all the people calling for Mike McCarthy, I, I think it's a little now, – now Jerry Jones may let him go because we all know how Jerry – and we all know how Jerry can be, but I don't think it was Mike McCarthy's fault on this one. And – Great bounce back game. I just, I just want to say this though, Brett Meyer, great bounce back game. You, you thought he was going to have some more misery with when the Forty oh, Nine ers blocked their extra yeah. point, but he was still two for two on field goals. Yeah. So, and I guess they wouldn't let him warm up during warmups, <laughs> trying to get into his head. But yeah, let's Jeez. let's let's I mean, I, let's get away from the cowboys for a bit they're always yeah. in the, the thing is with the cowboys they're always in the news because jerry jones somehow hasn't has he puts them in them the there. news cycle for he, he puts them there mm-hmm. but let's let's give some credit to the 49ers oh yeah and their defense also give their special teams uh because ray ray mcleod he, he had only one kicker turn all game long and it was 53 yards which helps set up, i believe set up a score uh for uh, for the for the 49ers um offensively they were okay they, they didn't look listen the 49ers didn't have to be great on offense to win this game no we all kind of knew that coming in based on Dan Quinn and I think Dan Quinn should get some head coaching consideration uh after this after the last two seasons the Cowboys have been very solid on on defense yeah yeah should get some consideration for head coaching job again yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, and you have to wonder too, you have to wonder because I, and I can't get inside of Dan Quinn's head, but it had to do a number on him because, you know, I know as a Seahawks fan, Dan Quinn's a great defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He's still, I mean, we had that, we had that run where, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. First name, Gus. I want to say Van Zandt. Gus Bradley. Yeah. I was like, Van Zant's the film director. So yeah. obviously, Dan Quinn takes over the defense after Gus Bradley leaves to coach. I think it was Jacksonville. He got offered the head coaching job there. He went there, didn't didn't work out. Dan Quinn takes over the defense, and the Patriots come back on the Seahawks and win that Super Bowl because Pete didn't run the ball. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But that was a Dan Quinn-led defense. Takes the head coaching job at Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons play very well. They get to the Super Bowl. And then those darn Patriots, a Dan Quinn-led defense, once again gives up, I think it was the largest comeback in Super Bowl history, maybe, that 28-3 to halftime lead. Not, not that we don't hear about it every other day for, uh, yeah. from Patriots fans. <laughs> yes, of course. That had to do a number on Dan Quinn. So you know what? I think that Dallas was the perfect landing spot for him. And he just got he's got this defense turned around. And I think, yes, he's he's probably learned from that that uh the, that little coaching run there. 
and he's probably become mentally stronger. I think he should and will get another head coaching shot. If Josh McDaniels can get another shot, Dan Quinn can as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's a 49. Again, 49ers didn't have to play. Their offense didn't have to play great. (laughs) Kevin, please don't talk about that anymore. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. We stay away from it. We stay away from it. But sometimes, hey, it's just. As I mentioned, the, the, the 49ers didn't have to play great on offense. They just had to do they had to do just enough. They got the touchdowns. They got the scores when you need to score. They got that dagger of the of the field goal with uh, I guess you could say seconds remaining, but let me just uh, verify that real quick. Um well Robbie Gold gets the field goal, puts them up seven. And and again, the 49ers forced two turnovers. They did this last year when they played the, the the Cowboys in the wild card and they, they forced the issue on Dak Prescott. And when you can force, force the issue on Dak Prescott, your, your defense is going to play well and you're going to win games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now Friday, we'll have our previews between, uh, between the AFC and NFC championships. I believe the NFC championship is the first game and the AFC championship is the second game this season. So, but we'll preview both games on Friday. We'll have an extended uh, time for that. And we're going to do some, we're gonna actually going to do some other, we're going to talk about some other things going on in the NFL. But before we do that, we got to take an ad, we got to take a quick break uh, to talk about our friends at Mohawk Honda that's in uh, it's in Glenville, New York. Listen, it's it's winter in the upstate region, capital region. We've had some snow lately. We're getting some more snow tomorrow. And if you're driving a bad if you're driving a bad car, you're gonna get stuck. But even though the seasons change, the one constant is a buying experience at Mohawk Honda, where you are greeted with sm- with a smile and you're treated with respect. The new inventory is still ramping up. More pilots, more passports, more ridgelines. That's right, four-year-old, four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive cars get you through that snow. And remember that this is the best time ever to sell your vehicle. They buy cars, and in some cases, you may be able to sell it for more than what you paid for. And it's just another advantage you get from the number one volume dealer in the capital region. General Manager Greg Johnson and his team of sales consultants are always available to help you in the buying process. And they have big news. Scott Moynihan is back at Mohawk Honda. He brings his 30-plus years automotive experience with him. Stop by and say hello to Scott. Also, say, say hi to my guy, Evans Whalen. He got me into uh, what, the car I'm driving, which is a 2016 pre-owned, certified pre-owned Honda HRV. Yes, the season's changed, but at Mohawk Honda on Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia or online at mohawkhonda.com, they always go out of their way to please you. Let's talk about some of the stuff that's going around in the NFL. And the first thing I want to talk about, uh, I heard this on the Rod Peterson show this this, uh, this afternoon, so shout out to Rod. Uh, I guess what's going on is that the NFL is supposedly looking into playing conference championship games at neutral sites. Now, this is all based on the initial, su- initial sales success of a potential Kansas City-Buffalo game in Atlanta. If the the Chiefs and the Bills had advanced to the next round. I guess they sold 50,000 tickets at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Wow. Now, I don't know if it was between both Chiefs fans and Bills fans. I know that there's a pretty big contingency of Bills fans in the Atlanta area. Um, but also, I mean, there's also Chiefs fans there. You could get 
if you go to any big city, you'll find a contingency of fans who from other regions. So, so Dustin, I just want to pick your ear here, pick your pick your pick your brain here. Do you think the NFL should switch over to not only a neutral site Super Bowl, but also neutral site championship games? I want to get your I want to get your thoughts on that. No. No. Okay. But, All right. Well, that's it. it. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Well, actually, let me ask. Bishop Bullwinkle, should we, <laughs> should we have neutral site championship games? So your answer is hell no. <laughs> no. I, and, and here's why. The Super Bowl – the Super Bowl kind of makes makes sense because it gives, you know, that way that way everybody can go. Well, first of all, they like to do it in warm climates most of the time. That's right. no secret. Or, or or a dome or a covered stadium. Yeah. But and also the Super Bowl has more like the Super Bowl is the main event. So it so it gives people time to make a weekend out of it, book, book hotels, go into the thing. And it, and it, and it, and I don't know that it's a hundred percent true, but it makes it feel like both teams are on an even playing field regarding fan support. Like everybody's got an opportunity to buy for the Super Bowl. To me, it makes sense, but for the conference championship games, the team that is the number one seed earned the right to have home field throughout the playoffs. So if the number one seed or one of the higher seeds, it, if you did a neutral site for the NFC and the AFC championship game, to me, it kind of, it kind of one, it takes away from the atmosphere a little bit because one of those teams earned the advantage through their regular season to have more of their fans or whatever. And it, this just doesn't make sense to me, and it reeks of a money grab attempt by the NFL, and and it reeks of an attempt to capitalize on a situation that had never occurred before. And to me, it just kind of has a, it's got a bit of a skeezy feeling to it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. The Super Bowl, it makes sense, but my gut instinct is, I'm with Bishop Bullwinkle on this one. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sound very old codger, get off my lawnish, but I agree. No, yeah, we should not have neutral site conference championship games because, it, yeah, it, 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 to to the cynical mind, it might seem like a money grab because it is. <laughs> to be honest, it is a money grab, and I already have one Super Bowl. I don't need three Super Bowls. I mean, come on, I mean, this what they're gonna try and gussy it up like. Like like uh like a like the you know I think the, what they're trying to do is like they're trying to p- take a page out of the conference uh, not the conference the uh the college football playoff where you have teams play in neutral sites uh, at bowl games last this 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 past year we had uh, we had TCU and Michigan at the Fiesta Bowl and then we had Georgia and Ohio State at the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl so I think part of it is based off that success because. Listen, fans of teams will travel anywhere. However, I don't like that we're trying to take away from the team that earned home field advantage or yep. the team that's the higher seed. Like, like, yeah. like, the, like if, if we had if we had neutral site championship games, fans from KC would have had to travel anyway if they had 
if Buffalo had advanced to. But you're talking about a rabid Philadelphia Eagles fan base. And, and I'm, I say rabid in a loving way. I don't say mm. it in a begrudging <laughs> way because I'm not a fan of other teams in their division. But like our buddy Jared has has been on, he, and shout out to our buddy Jared from Corner Booth, from the Corner Booth podcast. He's a big, he's a big, uh, he's a big Eagles fan. I think you would, it it would be very tough to move the championship game from a site like yeah. Philadelphia. Like if they if if, if you let's put it this way, if you earned your right to the home field advantage, you deserve home field advantage. That's yeah. the way it's always been in yeah. the NFL. And for the owners to say, oh, there is 50,000 ticket sales from a neutral site game for a championship game. Hmm. Let's try to figure out a way to get this and get more of this bread. It's like, no, no. And, and where's the player share? Let's, let's put it this way. If I'm Demore Smith, who is the executive director of the Players Association, I'd be asking, where's my share? Mm-hmm. Because this is because if this is going to be, if this is the owner's idea and it's just a big money grab, how do the players? Where where are the players? What 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 advantage does the players have? Do they get a cut of the revenue? Yeah. Does it, is it twenty five percent to one team, twenty five percent to the other team, and then the rest of it goes to the NFL? Yeah. The the players have to have a say in this too. You, you can't just have the league ownership. You can't have the league can't have just the owners go. All right, we're going to do neutral site championship games from now on because based on what happened and hypothetical and what could have was basically a hypothetical situation. Yeah, so, we just got to have a say in this. Yeah, of course. And you and you, I think, also hit the nail on the head in an angle that I didn't come at it from. But not only ha- the team has earned the home field right. Uh, the home field advantage. And with that comes the, the opportunity to sleep in your own bed, the opportunity to be at your own house. And you talk to any, you talk to any pro athlete that makes a difference. And that, that is something that they will play for. And you take that away from them. You take that away from them. And and that is not, that is not fair either. That it's just no, no, not only that, but you're also adding added, you're also Yep. Putting on added travel for, for for an unnecessary reason. You're taking away an extra ticket that the fans paid for for a championship game. Uh, and you're just adding more costs to your own bottom line and to the fans' bottom line. I mean, we've already got an economy that's kind of yes stagnant yeah. at the moment. People are some people are having a tough time paying for the, to keep the electric on in a really bad winter. So this just adds more costs to the player on their physical side, the bottom in the bottom line on the, on the, on the balance sheet of the owners for the rest of the year. And fans can't, if I'm, (laughs) if I'm a fan on the West coast and I have to travel to the East coast or the Northeast or the Southeast for a neutral site championship game, that's going to cost a lot of money. Because oh, yeah. not only are you paying for a hotel room, you're paying for a ticket to the game, you're paying for a flight, car rental, food expenses. That's going to be that's a lot of money. Parking, that's a lot of money. Yeah, parking. Yep. No, it's it's unbelievable, and you know, and also, hey, people might call me out right now, but I but I don't care. 
I will tell I will tell the story. A sight makes a difference. A sight makes a difference. Now, when when the when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, do you remember where that Super Bowl was, Ryan? Happened to be in, at MetLife at MetLife Stadium in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. That is correct. <clears throat> and I remember multiple people asking me at the time. Uh, aren't you going to go see the Super Bowl live? This might be the only opportunity. Like, you never know when your team's going to be back there again. And I said, no, I'm not going to for three reasons. One, I don't make enough money to get Super Bowl tickets. <laughs> right. Two, uh, maybe if the game was in like Miami or someplace I wanted to be in February, I live in New York in February. I know how it could be. So I don't want to sit outside in the game. Okay. Maybe I'm not that hardcore of a fan, but I did not want to be it. I did not want to be at MetLife in February watching the Super Bowl. And lastly, and this is just me being real. If the Seahawks had somehow lost that game, I would have then had to drive home pissed off, you know, like there's, there's no, like it's not always cut and dry. A sight makes no. a difference to some people, or no. maybe, maybe how many times do you hear the stories? How many times do you hear the stories? Oh, my grandfather's a fan of such and such team. He's been watching them since he's 10 years old. He's, he's 92 years old right now. We'd love to take him to the game. You think they're going to take him to to the championship game if it's in like if he's like a he's like a uh, like a Falcons fan and they're in Georgia and oh oh the Falcons are in the championship game it's being played in Chicago surprise you th- you think they're going to take no. it no no, no. <laughs> look as good as some of these as useful as some of these transportation public transportation uh, methods are no. No, I, I, if if I'm a Jets fan and the Jets finally see another playoff appearance and go to the AFC Championship and they decide to play in at SoFi Stadium or AT&T, AT&T Stadium, no, I'm not spending my hard-earned money just to fly somewhere else to see the Jets play another team. Yeah. Unless, unless, it's, unless it's the Super Bowl, yeah, but I'm not doing it for a conference championship game. It just takes away – having a having – a, Commerce Championship game at a neutral site takes away from the spectacle that is the Super Bowl. Yes. There's a reason why the Super Bowl is one is the most it's, watched television program every single year. Mm-hmm. It's it's the pageantry. It's it's the halftime show. The halftime show has shows have been huge over the last 25, 30 years. Yes. It's it's the it's the it's the two best teams playing uh, for the biggest prize in the NFL. And and this having a neutral site championship game cheapens the cheapens the the majesty that is the Super Bowl. Yeah, cheapens it. And it also it just reinforces that the conference championship games are not the Super Bowl. And let's no. not. I mean, there's other there's other sports. I am not a huge fan of this, but I have friends that are. They're the they're huge NASCAR fans, and I've and I've watched the I've watched the opening of. Daytona before and they always try to make it feel like a Super Bowl they have you know they have big musical performances they have everything and guess what 
Maybe it's because I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but I'm like, this doesn't feel like the Super Bowl. It feels no. like they're trying to imitate the feel, but nothing can match the Super Bowl. Nothing. About, about the only thing that I think that I could draw parallels to in the sporting world is, and I don't know that these are on this level anymore, but huge boxing fights used to feel like, you know, people and people would gather together and they'd order yeah. the pay-per-views to watch the fight and stuff. Oh, we yeah. got the fight my, tonight. Come on over. But that my, still my, wasn't the yeah. Super Bowl. My dad saw Mike Tyson knock out Leon Spinks at a bar on close circuit television back in 86. That was a big thing back in the day. Yeah. 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 But even those, nothing is the Super Bowl. Nothing. No. The World Series, not the Stanley Cup, as much as I love the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Okay. Jeff says the World Cup, but that's different. It's a difference. That's different. Yeah, different that happens. That's almost comparing apples and oranges. I mean, I yep. get what you're saying. He says not even a soccer football fan, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we have one more thing to care to cover before we leave the show tonight's show. And I gotta address this as a New York Jets fan. Uh, Joe Namath, I, I wasn't sure what where he went on, but he said in an interview that if Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets, and we all know the Jets looking for a quarterback, uh, Woody Johnson says such during the uh, during the, the basically the state of the team address after the season ended. Uh, the Jets have been linked to a number of quarterbacks: David Carr or Derek Carr, excuse me, Lamar Jackson, and Aaron Rodgers, who happens to wear the number twelve. Joe Namath has gone on record and says, if the Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets, you can unretire my number and I will take and, and you can have number 12. So Dustin and I had texted back and forth yesterday, and I mentioned I had to mention this, and he happened to mention that yes, that there have been numbers before that have been unretired that other players have used. Uh, Dustin, give you have one, for example. Yeah, well, the most recent example that I can think of is, uh, and uh, I think it was 2004 season, or maybe it was 2003. I can't remember the exact number, but Jerry Rice came to Seattle to play, and Steve Largent did say to the Seahawks, you can unretire number 80, Jerry Rice. He's Obviously, he's number 80. In most stadiums, anywhere else in the league, if you if you think of 80, like you think of Jerry Rice, but in, in Seattle, 80 is Largent. Mm -hmm. And uh, Largent did allow the Seahawks to unretire number 80 so that Jerry Rice could wear the number. But uh, to me, this one's a little different because, I mean, Steve Largent is a face of the franchise in Seattle, but he – and he is, he is the greatest wide receiver in Seahawks history. I mean, hell, when he retired, it when he retired, I think he had like all, pretty much all the wide receiving records that you could have in the NFL. He, I mean, I'm going off the dome. I love Steve Largent, but to me, this doesn't have the same feel, though. This just feels different because Namath was the unquestioned face of the Jets. And I don't know. I just feel like it may mean more. I don't, I don't want to cheapen because I, I thought it was kind of a class move at the time. And I was like, you know, that's pretty big of Steve Largent to, 
you know, allow, allow, allow his number to be used. But I, I kind of have a, a different feel on this one, but I am not a Jets fan. So I want to, I want to see how you feel about it. I wouldn't mind. See, because part of the reason why is because I never, I never saw Joe Namath play growing up. My dad saw him. My dad watched him. My dad loved Joe Namath. He said, he said the only two quarterbacks I've ever seen that have had the quickest releases I've probably ever seen out of a out of a quarterback's arm uh, are Joe Namath and Dan Marino. Those two, just the flick of a wrist, could just release the ball, could go go yards, go yards. So he watched Joe Namath as a uh, as a as a teenager and an adult. I never saw Joe Namath play. I remember I remember the Monday night game back in 1986 when they had when they had retired uh, Namath's number. I remember that I remember that game. Or was it 1985? I think it was 1985 that the that the Jets retired finally retired his number. He's only he's one of only a handful of Jets to have their number retired. And for Namath to say, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets and he helps them win a Super Bowl, you could absolutely positively you could absolutely have my my number. Absolutely take it because certain quarterbacks you associate with certain numbers. You're gonna yeah. always gonna associate number thirteen with Dan Marino. The yeah. number sixteen, Joe Montana, number twelve, a myriad of quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers being one of them. And Aaron Rodgers has a, a Super Bowl ring under his belt. So for Joe Namath to say, Yeah, you can have my number if you if you if you wind up getting him. And from from what I'm understanding, the Packers, if they the Packers have have gone on record and said if if teams want Aaron Rodgers, you're gonna have to have fork up a first round pick to get him. At least one first round pick to get him. Just because he costs so much. He's making forty million dollars. So um but for a Hall of Fame quarterback to come out and say, Yeah, take if you if you get traded here, absolutely take my number. It, it speaks to it speaks to Joe Namath as a person, as an athlete, and as a guy who yeah. is synonymous with the New York Jets. He yeah. helped them win their only Super Bowl title in, in team history in a huge upset back in 1969. So, yeah, for a legend to say, absolutely take my number. If you get traded here, you can have my number. That speaks volumes to who Namath is as, yeah. as a man. The kind of person he is, yeah. It, to show that and to show that kind of humility is 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 huge. Is huge. If you could you could have said yeah, absolutely no. He has to wear number. He has to wear number eight. He has to buy. He has to make because uh, that was Aaron Rodgers' number in college was eight. Wasn't twelve. He only wore twelve. I think he only wore twelve. He, he's he's only worn twelve in the NFL, but when he was at Cal, he wore number eight. Uh, and if you had to wear number eight, he would have to buy. You'd have to give give Elijah Moore a whole lot of money <laughs> put it <laughs> yeah. that way or buy some dinner for him. But, but no, I mean, it's, 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 it's very humbling for a guy to, to somebody to say, yeah, absolutely. Take my number. If he needs, if he wants my number, you can have it. Yeah. I'll gladly unretire it. And if he brings the Super Bowl to the jets, cause that's, cause the number 12 seems to be the magic number right now. That's the, that's the quarter. That's the number that has won the most Super Bowls. Roger Staubach, uh, Bob Greasy, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Tom Brady, trying to think who else. Aaron Rodgers, um, trying mm. to think who else. Number one, who are number twelve? Um, 
I'll figure um, it out. The twelve and thirteen yeah. are the twelve and thirteen are the two numbers associated with a large number of success in the Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. And uh, Jeff says personally hoping Rodgers to Miami. Unluckily, but wow, weapons Miami has with a quarterback that can stay healthy might be a one or two year good fit Super Bowl. Um, I'm gonna say this, Jeff, with what money? Because right now it's tied up in two guys. It's tied up in Tyreek Hill and Brandon Chubb. Tied up in two guys. So if the if Miami's gonna have to get a quarterback, they're gonna have to cut a lot of weight or try to convince both those guys to restructure their contracts. Um, that's gonna be a big. That's gonna be a big uh, undertaking for some of these teams, but. That's Two my more. feeling about it. I was just I was looking up the I was looking up the list of quarterbacks to wear twelve because uh, I felt like there was one that we were forgetting. I think yeah, there might have Kenny, been one. Kenny the Snake Stabler. Kenny Stabler, he, yes. He's the he's the other one. I and I will I will throw Jim Kelly. I know he didn't win the Super Bowl, but we all know that he went he he went to some. That's for darn sure. Went to so, at least one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Jeff says money under the table. Not that that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, the salary cap might be a myth. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. don't know. Yeah, but you know, I I thought you know I have to say you you kind of turned me around on it because I I was kind of like yeah, but Namath feels different to me. Namath feels different to me, but really it's it's not. Uh, I mean, Namath Namath is an icon. For the Jets, he is synonymous with the underdog all all over. You know, in all sports, everybody says whenever a team is down, what do they what do they say? They say, "Oh, Namath, Namath, and the Jets beat the beat the highly favored Colts." You know, Super yep. Bowl three. Every everybody knows that. So I guess that's why it felt a little different to me. But after hearing you talk about it, it's no different. You know, both both Namath and and Largent when he did for Jerry Rice, both of them. Classy guys, class moves, um, and and for Joe to do it, it's even because as much as I love Steve Largent, as much as I love, and I didn't see him play either, but I, you know, he's he's the Seahawk that you learn about, especially in the lean years when the Seahawks were not very good. Steve Largent was the name that you always you always were told about by, by other Seahawk fans. Well, you know, I wish you could have seen him play. Everything he was he was unbelievable. But uh, it just – oh, man, I kind of lost my train of thought with that. It's live, everybody. It's live. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, class move class move by Joe Namath here. Um, oh, to me, I was going to say – now I remember. He – I would argue that Joe Namath was, was more well-known than Steve Largent was. So, to me, this felt like a, like a bigger deal. But – it's uh it's it it's a class move by both guys and but let me ask you this though Ryan as a Jets fan we've we've talked about it some but knowing how much you would have to give up for Aaron Rodgers in draft draft capital would you find it worth it and i only say this because and i know this was just something i saw online and the person who proposed it is an obvious packers fan <laughs> but oh, God. but he said what did he, rep- he goes, what did he propose he goes oh no, they, well, this this was even worse. He goes, okay. He goes, trade Aaron Rodgers to the Seahawks. He goes, 
He goes, Seahawks get Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb. He goes, Packers get DK Metcalf, Tariq Woolen, and two first-round picks, one in 2024 and one in 2025. And he goes, who says no? And all the Seahawks fans were like, everyone? Everyone? (laughs) No one is going to accept that trade. I'm just curious your thoughts based on what Packers management has said and also – Aaron Rodgers, phenomenal, but he is getting up there in age. And it's one of those things where you already dealt with a quarterback who was legendary and who was nearing the end of his career. And, and it was a, will he, or won't he come back? Would that be worth it to bring him to New York? Would you be willing to deal with that? I don't know. I want to say part of, my head, my heart says yes, but my head says no, and my head says no based on age. Yeah, he's going to be thirty nine years old, and the Jets' offensive line has been patchwork at best over the last half decade. So they need to. The biggest part before they get before they go searching for a quarterback, they need to figure out who their OC is, who their line coach is, and who their uh, wide receiver coach is. Because those are the those are the three positions the Jets should be looking at replacing right now. It's not going to matter who your quarterback is if they don't know who the offensive offensive coordinator is going to be, and we got to see what kind of style they want to they want to incorporate into the offense next year. Yeah, I know it's going to be run heavy because Brees Hall's coming back, and he's going to be healthy. He's going to be healthy again. Uh, granted, it won't be. I don't think it'll be. The Brees Hall we saw, saw in the first six weeks of the season last year is going to take him a – I mean, we saw what happened with Saquon Barkley after he tore his ACL. Yes, he it's just take his, he It's going to take time to really have a have a, kind of a beast mode season that that uh, Barkley had. But I, I want to see who they fill in as offensive coordinator first because that's going to be the biggest indicator of who they're going to try to bring in as their quarterback. I'm praying to God it's not Greg Roman. I'm praying to God it's not Greg Roman because I've seen this movie before with an offensive coordinator named Chan Gailey. Yeah, that's who he reminds me of. He doesn't develop. He doesn't develop quarterbacks. The first season of his offensive system, ever it's it's awesome. It's great. It, they run up and down the field. They chew up yards. They keep the possession of the clock. They they keep the possession. They run the clock down. But after that season. It's oh, it's predictable. <laughs> so it becomes also oh predictable, like Chan Gailey in 2015 after he after he transformed after he helped transform Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015. Uh, the year after was not so magical. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it's going to depend on. I think it, it's going to depend on who the offensive coordinator is. If they bring in a guy like Paul, uh, like um. Like the thing, like the thing, Hackett. Apparently, he's the front runner for the position right now. Okay, then, then they might consider bringing Aaron Rodgers in. Yeah, because yeah, if they consider a guy like if they interview Greg Roman, God forbid, <laughs> um, they might bring in Lamar Jackson. I have very, I have big concerns about him. But they bring in anybody else, I think they'll trade for Derek for Derek Carr. To me, to me. Derek Carr seems like the best fit for the Jets. I, yeah, I just I don't know why, but it just is one of those things where it seems like 
it makes total sense to me. And Derek Carr, it's not like he's dealt with a whole lot of coaching stability in in Oakland slash Las Vegas. So he could he could easily onboarding a new scheme is nothing new for Derek Carr. So no. you know he could he could learn quick. And he still is Derek Carr thirty two years old. Is that I, I believe I gotta, he is? Yes, I got to look it up. But but that that to me, I mean, you, you got you got almost seven years age difference between Derek Carr and and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Then yeah, and you could you could argue the same about Lamar Jackson because he's only twenty five. But I yeah, think, well that I think I think Jackson's staying put in Baltimore. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he's staying put. I think he's. I think they're going to try to figure out a way to give him more flexibility and freedom as a quarterback in that in that in, a, in the new system of whoever and with whoever bring they bring in as as a offensive coordinator. So, so that's just my feeling. Mm-hmm. At the end, at the end of all this, I think, I think the quarterback the Jets are going to probably pick up is Derek Carr. But again, it's all predicated on who they bring in as an OC. All right. So on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. So before we wrap it up here, uh, Dustin, if you don't have anything, if you have anything more to add, just uh, let me know. But uh, in the meantime, if you go to our social media channels, which are, if you're watching, listed down below, they're at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at NoCredsREQ, Facebook.com forward slash NoCredsREQ. And on YouTube, it's YouTube.com forward slash NoCredsREQ. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. That way you know when we go live on the podcast side. If you're listening on audio, subscribe to the podcast. Megaphone is our home, but you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you could be so kind to rate five stars as preferred and review, we might even read it on the air. For everyone who's been watching and commenting, we appreciate your joining along. If you're watching on replay on YouTube or Facebook, we also appreciate you. Dustin, you have anything more to add before we wrap up tonight? No, I don't think so. I think we uh, we covered a lot. Uh, give me a tweet if you want to, at LDusto67. Follow me on Instagram. Don't post much, but you'll know when the show hits live. That's for sure. All right. And you can follow me personally at WhoIsRyanMCC on Twitter and Instagram. But in the meantime... Thank you for watching and or listening to No Credentials Required, where you don't need the press pass to talk sports. We're presented by Belly Up Sports in association with Godzilla Media. For my broadcast partner, Dustin Henry, I'm Ryan McCarthy. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you on. We'll talk to you again live on Friday, where we preview the conference championship games. It's gonna be a fun time. Hope you join mm-hmm. us. Tune in.